and welcome back to another episode of Search, Ponder, and Pray, a podcast where we strive to follow the Come Follow Me outline provided by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and where we strive to be more dedicated and honest disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. I hope that you're having a wonderful day today. Uh, if you're here in Utah, I hope that uh, monsoon of rain that's kind of been sweeping over us hasn't uh, done any damage to you or your home, but I hope that it's a blessing to all of us as we continue to be in these final few days of farming and harvest and gardening. I hope it's been great. All right, well, today we're going to be moving on to Corinthians chapter 2, First um, Corinthians chapter 2, and I hope that you um, have all had a chance to study on your own and those types of things, and I hope that as we continue on um, that you'll find everything very worthwhile. So uh, before we get started, though, as usual, um, we're going to go ahead and get started with a word of prayer, and then we will jump right in. I'll go ahead and say that for us. Our dear Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for this day. We thank Thee for the opportunity that we've had to draw close to Thee and to feel of Thy Spirit. Father, we thank Thee for the Scriptures and the blessings that they are in our lives. We ask Thee, Father, to please, please be with us. Please forgive us of our sins and help us to know paths that thou would have us go down. We pray for these things ever so humbly, Father, in the name of thy Son, even Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, alrighty, so like I said, we're going to be in chapter 2. So let's go ahead and get, just get started. There's not, this is a kind of a shorter chapter, so today's going to be a shorter episode. Um, I've thought about maybe joining two chapters together like I kind of have done in the past, but I feel like it's, it, I'd rather have shorter, shorter episodes that aren't so long, you know, shorter episodes that deal with one chapter than have really long episodes. I feel like that it works a little better. And like I said, this isn't supposed to take take the place of your own personal scripture study. You should be studying these things out on your own, and then and you should be this. This should just be supplemental. Anyways, enough rambling. Let's jump into chapter two now. So, chapter First Corinthians, chapter two, verse one. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And, <clears throat> and I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in a demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So this is something that I wish I had um I wish I had known a bit more before the mission but none, because before my mission and even now to some extent I feel like I am um I'm good with words I I'm, I'm good to talk to people thus I have a podcast surprise surprise um I'm a talker I enjoy talking and before the mission especially if you're a Returning listener, you've probably heard me say this before, and if you're not, I'll kind of just a short little reiteration for you. I felt that before the mission, I could go out and convince people of the truth. I could just, I could just go out there and tell them that what it was going to be like, and they would be convinced of how it was supposed to be. And that's not the case. And that's what Paul is trying to tell us. That's not how he came and spoke to us, or spoke to the Corinthians when he first came to them. And the New Testament student manual has a little, a little blurb about this, um, 
So let's go ahead and read that real quick. Paul was exceptionally intelligent and well-educated. He could have impressed the Corinthians with rhetoric, philosophy, and secular learning, but he deliberately focused on teaching the message of Jesus Christ simply and humbly. President Brigham Young explained how his own conversion resulted from a missionary who taught by the power of the Spirit. If all the talent, tact, wisdom, and refinement of the world had been combined in one individual, and that person had been sent to me with the Book of Mormon and declared in and declared in the most exalted of earthly eloquence the truth of it, undertaking to prove it by his learning and worldly wisdom, it would have been like, to me like the smoke which arises only to vanish. But when I saw a man without eloquence or talents for public speaking, who could only just say, I know by the power of the Holy Ghost that the Book of Mormon is true, that Joseph Smith is a prophet of the Lord. The Holy Ghost proceeding from that individual illuminates my understanding and light, glory and immortality as before me. I am encircled by it, filled with it, and know for myself that the testimony of that man is true. And that's one thing for any listeners who may be a, maybe going out on a mission, or any listeners who um, are seeking to fulfill their role as as missionaries, as you know, member missionaries, which hint, hint, we should all be doing. I should be doing better at that. Um, if we're trying to do that, we have to remember that it's not us that are going to convince them. It's not our actions or these different things. Sure, they might see those things, and that might be the vessel whereby the Spirit is able to testify to them of these things. But in all reality, it is the Spirit that's going to testify to our friends and families, and those who we're trying to bring to the Lord Jesus Christ. Where there's, we should be, we should be, a, uh, we should be wary of trying to rely on our own talents to rely on. Well, I can, I can tell this wonderful story, and this story, oh, you know, it always does so well. It always does so well, you know, and trying to manipulate the environment to create it such that, oh, well, now the Spirit's going to have to be here, or they'll, they'll have to feel it. That's not what we're trying to do. The, the, I believe that is, the, that is the definition of priestcraft, where we set ourselves before the actual gospel of Jesus Christ, or the, or the teaching and the preaching of the gospel, where we set ourselves up as the focal point. If we become what people are attached to, rather than, well, the Lord Jesus Christ is what's important, then, then we soon begin to see that our missionary efforts may not have the, the success that we're hoping for. We may find that the people that we're teaching and trying to talk to may find, well, you said this, and I, sound, I found something else that said this. Whereas if, they, if we had just said, well, you need to learn for yourself. You have to receive that information for yourself. That often changes and it allows for a, a deeper and stronger testimony. Uh, let's jump back in, in verse 6. Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor the princes of this world that come to naught. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. So that's, that's something that I find very interesting. Um, 
about the gospel. If we click on the word wisdom, it takes us to Colossians 2, 3, where it says, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Um, that it does seem that, you know, we, we always hear about the mysteries of God, these, these, the mysteries of godliness, these, these unknowable secrets. And it, have, have you ever had a moment where you'll be, you'll be reading along in the scriptures and you will, you'll read a passage that you know you've read before. You know you've read it several times, perhaps. And you read it, and all of a sudden, something just clicks. And you think to yourself, well, the answer's right there. It's been right there the whole time. Maybe you haven't had that. And if you haven't, don't feel bad by any means. There, that just means you have a lot more of those experiences coming your way, probably. Or you experience these revelatory experiences in a different way. But if you have had these experiences, that is something that is when when the mysteries of God are made manifest to you by the hand of God. Sometimes they happen as we're as we're out um, walking around and just pondering to ourselves. Or I, you know, I I kind of I feel personally for for me personally, I see a lot of these these creative, these, uh, these mysteries, and I find answers to them, or I find connections to God through the creative works of others, be that in a novel or a painting or a movie or a song. Sometimes something will, I'll hear a, a, a melody, or I'll hear a phrase in a poem, or something like that, that will trigger something inside my mind, and I'll think back to different scriptures, and all of a sudden things start to fall into place for me. But as we draw near to God, he speaks in whatever language we speak to reveal his mysteries unto us. So as he said, we, we don't speak as the world speaks. We, how be it we speak, in verse 6, how be it we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. Verse 8, which none of the princes of this world knew, for they had known it. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. If we click on I hath not seen, it takes us to Doctrine and Covenants, section 76 and 10, where it says, for by my spirit will I enlighten them, and by my power will I make known unto them the secrets of my will. Yea, even those things which eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor yet entered into the heart of man. And so that is something that I think we might be missing out on in some sense, is that if we, if we don't ever truly delve into the gospel wholeheartedly, and truly seeking the Lord, we may not ever know what blessings the Lord has prepared for us. Those things slowly become manifest as we draw nearer to him. In verse 10, But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit, for the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the Spirit of a man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. 
Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Let's jump over the New Testament student manual. It has a little bit more there for us about things of God are spiritually discerned. That's something that is very important. Let's jump into that and see what it has to say. It says that Paul reminded his readers that that a worldly-minded person cannot comprehend spiritual truth because the things of the Spirit of God must be spiritually discerned. Spiritual knowledge can only be obtained through the means that God has prepared. Elder Paul V. Johnson of the 70 taught, quote, In the scientific world, the scientific method is used to learn truth and advance knowledge. It has been extremely helpful over the years and has yielded tremendous amounts of scientific knowledge and continues to push back the curtain of ignorance about our physical world. Learning spiritual things, however, requires a different approach than learning scientific things. The scientific method and intellect are very helpful, but they alone will never bring spiritual knowledge. Learning spiritual things involves the intellect, but that is not enough. We only learn spiritual things by the Spirit. Answers to spiritual questions are given to individuals who don't harden their hearts, who ask in faith, believing they will receive, and who diligently keep the commandments. Even when we follow this pattern, we don't control the timing of getting answers. Sometimes our answers come quickly, and sometimes we must place questions on the shelf for a time and rely on our faith that has developed them that has developed from the answers we do know that comes from a seminary institute of religion satellite broadcast uh, taught in 2012 the talk titled a pattern for learning spiritual things which i personally am going to go look at later today sounds interesting that is that is something that is one talent that I think um, if we can really achieve there there are there are several talents or attributes attributes excuse me that if we could obtain them swiftly they should be sought in all haste in my opinion one would be the the talent of learning spiritual things the talent to communicate with God that is something that if we could if we could obtain that that ability to not just pray, but really communicate with God. That would change a lot of our life, I think. The second would be the ability, the, the, the habit of repenting, of true repentance, of being able to sift out those sins that are rooted deep within ourselves and being able to free ourselves from them. And then finally, I think as well, the ability to learn spiritual things, which is a combination of patience and humility and diligence. To be able to study things out, to ponder them, to be willing to 
admit that we don't know the answers and to wait patiently on the Lord for those answers. It's a talent that takes time, and it's a talent that's easily lost if we don't maintain it, if we don't keep it up. Going on further, President Dallin H. Oaks of the First Presidency taught, quote, The Lord's prescribed methods of acquiring sacred knowledge are very different from the methods used by those who acquire learning exclusively by study. For example, a frequent technique of scholarship is debate or adversarial discussion, a method which I have been which I have had considerable personal experience. But the Lord has instructed us in ancient and modern scriptures that we should not contend over the points of his doctrine. Those well, those times when he explains that can be found in third Nephi eleven, twenty eight through thirty. Let's let's take a look at those real quick. <clears throat> so in third Nephi eleven, twenty eight thirty it says, And according as I have commanded you, thus shall ye baptize, and there shall be no disputations among you, as there have hitherto been, neither shall there be disputations among you concerning the points of my doctrine, as there have hitherto been. For verily, verily I say unto you, he that hath the spirit of contention is not of me, but is of the devil, who is the father of contention, and he stirreth up the hearts of men to contend with anger one with another. Behold, this is not my doctrine, to stir up the hearts of men to anger one against another, but this is my doctrine, that things should be done, that these that such things should be done away. And then in Doctrine and Covenants ten sixty three. And this I do, that I may establish my gospel, and there may not be so much contention. Yea, Satan doth stir up the hearts of the people to contention, concerning the points of my doctrine. And in these things they do err, for they do rest the scriptures and do not understand them. That is something that I think might be um, a sticking point. I know for me, I a lot of times... I do, I, I am a little bit of a debater. I do like to kind of, well, let's talk about this. Let's kind of suss this out as we kind of work our way through it. But the biggest thing I think that the Lord is trying to say is not necessarily, that we shouldn't discuss, not, he's not saying we shouldn't discuss the gospel. Well, it's, he's not saying, well, it's, it's obviously plain. I've laid it there in the scriptures. There should be no discussion. If you have any points, if you have any opinions on things, they should not be, you know, and they're not in line with each other. Well, then don't discuss it. You simply deal with it yourselves. I don't think that's the case, personally. I think what the Lord is trying to tell us is that we shouldn't be seeking to be the person who is right as we're discussing something. We may think we're right, sure, but we should be going into a discussion of the gospel open-hearted, open-minded, and willing to adhere to whatever the truth may be. The truth will win brothers and sisters. That is something we need not be afraid of. The truth will win. The truth does not need us to fight for it. What the truth needs is for us to be true to the truth. If we will do that, we will come out all right. The truth does not need to be fought for. The truth is the truth. And there may be people who try and say otherwise, but it will eventually become blatantly clear to all what is amiss. But before I go too much further, let's finish off what Elder o what President Oaks is saying. 
when he says, Gospel truths and testimony are received from the Holy Ghost through reverent personal study and quiet contemplation. And that comes from his April conference talk in, 18, in 1982. <laughs> I don't I can't read. In April 1989, excuse me, April 1989, talk entitled Alternate Voices. And brothers and sisters, that is what it always seems to come back to. And I feel like I've said this a hundred times and you're probably getting sick of me saying it. Our growth in the gospel is a personal matter. And yeah, we should be we should be willing to help others and to guide them, but we should never become the waypoint that they use to focus on and to and to be their guide in the gospel. We can help them, we can sustain them, we can guide them along momentarily, but we should always point them back to Christ. For it is only with that personal relationship to Christ that we will be able to sustain growth in the gospel, that we'll be able to sustain eternal progression. And that is my testimony, brothers and sisters, that as we press forward, let us focus on the Lord. Let us guide others to do the same. Let us not get caught up in the grandeur and the prestige of this world. The idea of, well, I helped these people come to the church, and I did this, and I did that. It doesn't matter. What matters is our relationship with the Lord. When we kneel down at night, or when we say our prayers, can we say that we have done what the Lord himself would have done? For whomever we have may, you may have come in contact with that day, be they non-member of the church, or be they a member of the church, maybe, maybe it's our spouse, did we treat them as the Savior would have wanted? Did we provide what the Savior would have wanted? Did we live in such a way that we drew closer to Him in that day? And if not, are we willing to repent and try again the next day? That is the pleading cry of the Lord. Come and see. Come and see the glory of God. I testify that this is true, brothers and sisters. I pray that we will have the strength to endure on our personal journeys back to the Lord and that one day we will see each other in the presence of the Lord. And I say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.